As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Howdy, everybody. Arthur Staple here. Welcome to No Sleep Till Belmont, Islanders podcast from The Athletic. Special edition today with uh, the midst of the silly season going on. We've got the expansion draft coming up in about 24 hours from now. Uh, The amateur draft after that, which is not a huge concern for the Islanders since they don't have a first round pick. And then free agency after that. And a lot of moves have already happened with the Islanders. Uh, A lot of moves still to come, especially the mystery of what's going to happen tomorrow night. Flying solo here without AJ Maletsko, but uh, I've thrown out a request on Twitter for some questions. I got plenty of them. You guys are very curious about what the Islanders are going to do. We certainly don't know what they're going to do. Lou Lamarillo is not going to suddenly change his stripes after 40 years in the game and, and start leaking out details of what uh, if he's got a side deal with Seattle in place, who he's going to let go, who he's hoping to let go. But we'll try to break it down as best we can, guided by some of your questions. You got mail. So... Um, Tim Finnegan writes in and says, do you believe Lou is going to let Seattle take Josh Bailey? This was the thrust of a lot of the questions here, so I may have to skip over a few other people. Um, My general feeling is no, I don't think so. And I think if Seattle does decide to take Josh Bailey, it'd probably just be Seattle's decision to take on a good player, um, one of the most loyal guys uh, in the last 40 years of Islanders hockey third all-time in games played. Um, He's become a very popular player. He's their leading scorer in the playoffs the last two seasons with their two deep runs. He's not a guy you necessarily want to give up, but he has three years left at $5 million uh, on his cap hit. Jordan Eberle is also exposed, three years at 5.5. Those are two pretty key members of their top nine, but also it's three-year commitments that are still left. Uh, The Islanders have contracts that they need to to dole out in those next three years, Ryan Pollock in particular, leaving aside the guys that they need to sign this year still, and we'll go over those guys in a a few minutes. Um, But three years has suddenly turned into a long time in a flat cap era, and uh, those contracts were both signed before the, the flat cap and the pandemic, so you can't really fault anyone for them. They seemed like good deals at the time. And now with both guys on the other side of 30, um, three years feels like a lot. And, uh, you know, I think the debate online and and even in hockey circles of people that I talk to um, 
about whether Seattle will take either of those guys. I think kind of, you know, the, the fan feeling, certainly the, the emotion that Islander fans have and the feelings toward Josh Bailey, a guy who's been here 13 years and uh, has never complained in the face of a lot of criticism, um, turned himself from, you know, a, a pretty good depth player into a pretty essential piece the last three or four years, and certainly with the way he plays in the playoffs, um, where I think he averages about, uh, you know, maybe two points every five or six games better than he does in the regular season, which is exactly what you want in a, in a important player. Um, and Jordan Eberle has been a really good player too. You know, I think uh, the expectations for him when he came in was a little bit more higher scoring, uh, especially since he plays with Matthew Barzal. Um, the numbers probably should be a little bit better. And I think his last two postseasons have been a little bit inconsistent, but still, a guy who's uh, who didn't come in with a reputation as being a 200-foot player who I think has adapted really well to the way that Barry Trotz wants the Islanders to play, and that uh, that's super important. You know, you can't just find those guys all the time or, or make those guys when they come in. So that comfort level with Trotz I think is important. Um, <clears throat> so would Lou just let Seattle pick Josh Bailey? Uh, yes, I do think that. I don't think that there would be a side deal in place. I think – Lou Lamarillo doesn't get caught off guard by things. So I don't think leave the, the decision to leave Josh Bailey exposed in this draft was done without a lot of talk beforehand, perhaps even with Seattle about Josh Bailey's worth. If there was interest, um, maybe if there was interest from other teams, I think we know through talking to some other people and hearing some other reports that Jordan Eberle was being not so quietly shopped around, uh, in the weeks leading up to the, the list going in on Sunday. Um, and I don't think that's, again, it's not really based on play. It's based on need. And the need for the Islanders right now is cap space, even though they've managed to open up quite a bit with, with trading Nick Letty and trading Andrew Ladd. Um, they still need more because there's a lot of work to do. So I think tomorrow night, if Seattle announces that they've taken Josh Bailey or Jordan Everly, I don't think it's because there was a side deal in place. Um, I don't know that Lou will make a side deal to keep Seattle from taking Josh Bailey because if that were the case, he would have just protected him and maybe left Matt Martin exposed, who was not necessarily a guy Seattle was going to jump on. Um, so I, I tend to think that um, if if there's a side deal in place, there's something else afoot and it doesn't really involve one of those two guys. And I think Seattle really has um, – you know, there's certainly a lot of guys available around the league that uh, that opened some eyes when uh, when the list came out. Carey Price, obviously from Montreal, Jake Voracek, James Van Riemsdyk in Philly, Vladimir Tarasenko in St. Louis. Tarasenko is a little bit different because his contract only has two years left, and we'll get to more on him because people are asking about him. But I think the other guys who have three years left or four years left, or in Price's case, five years left, it just doesn't seem to me. That Seattle's strategy is going to be let's lock ourselves into guys that have long term left, um, as attractive as some of the names may be. Maybe you do it in goal for one guy. Maybe you do it on defense for one or two guys. Maybe you do it for one center. You know, maybe Ryan Johansson is a consideration despite his underachieving in Nashville. But to do it for a big scoring winger, if your team, you don't know how good your team is going to be. Um, I don't know that they're going to lock themselves into big term and big cap hits right now before they know what the team's going to look like. So, you know, my general feeling is 
if there was some talk between Ron Francis and Lou Lamarillo, it might have been a little bit of bluffing when it came to Everly or Bailey to try to, you know, entice Lou to give up some assets to to get Seattle to pick someone else when in fact they may not have had any interest in either of those guys at all. Um, could be surprised tomorrow night, but I tend to think that Seattle's focus is on shorter term when it comes to the expansion draft and they need to sort of figure out what they're going to do. Um, <clears throat> Mike B asks a, a relevant question as we lead in from that. He's like, who would the Islanders have more trouble moving? Josh Bailey at three times five or Leo Komarov at one times three? What picks would be required to sweeten either deal? Well, we've kind of discussed the Bailey scenario, how I see it. Um, to me, the Komarov situation is is interesting because with only one year left, I don't think that you have to break the bank in terms of assets to get Seattle to take him uh, tomorrow night. Maybe it's a couple of mid-round picks. Maybe it's a mid-round pick and another young player um, because that $3 million that on Komarov's cap hit Every dollar counts right now, and uh, if you can get rid of that, it's not 5 or 5.5, but it's still going to help the, the cap situation. Right now, they're at you know, $12 million and change <clears throat> um, yet, and Johnny Boychuk, $6 million. You can probably drop off a couple million here or there if, you, if the roster stays the same in terms of guys that are going to be buried in the minors. Um, so, you know... I, it, the Komarov situation intrigues me more, or Thomas Hickey situation intrigues me more, where... The cost isn't as high necessarily in terms of assets that you need to send to Seattle. And I've heard the, the people that I talk to who are not necessarily in Seattle, but around the league say the, the prices, even up to this week after the list came out, still very high from Seattle to try to get picks or prospects to avoid certain players that are unprotected. And I don't know that a lot of teams are going to pay that. And so I, you know, if, if Lou can pay a third round pick, and Kiefer Bellows, our third round pick, and Sebastian Ajo to get Seattle to take Leo Komarov's cap hit. That, I think, makes more sense to me than trying to move a Josh Bailey or a Jordan Eberle because you still get some decent cap space. You get rid of the Leo Komarov, the player, who is a beloved player for the Islanders. They've had a lot of success with him here, but really wasn't going to be a regular player in the regular season or playoffs, barring injury. <clears throat> so... Um, and that, like I said, that 3 million is going to, could go a long way towards adding what they need to add, even just retaining their own guys, but also maybe adding some new players from outside. So <clears throat> I, I think that Leo Komarov or Thomas Hickey, because of the, the term left, uh, probably more intriguing to me to watch tomorrow night than an Eberly or Barely, which seems a little bit of a sexier pick and could certainly still happen, but doesn't quite read the right way to me, the way that Seattle, I think, is going to operate. Uh, moving on a little bit to free agency, Colton Hunter asks, Jamie Alexiak fits the Islander style so well on defense. Are they interested in him? I'm going to say yes. We don't really know right now because it's not free agency yet. They can't talk. I do know that Seattle has been talking to him. I heard from a source today around the league that said Seattle is interested in, in Jamie Alexiak as a, as a unrestricted free agent, which if they signed him, before tomorrow, he would count as their pick from Dallas. So Dallas's list is pretty weak. Um, so maybe you could even see them picking a guy like Alexiak as their selection from Dallas because Dallas's available guys aren't very attractive. And then they've got a you know then they've got another week to negotiate exclusively with Alexiak uh, before free agency starts. So I'd keep an eye on you know if there's teams like Arizona, San Jose, Dallas teams with very thin 
available player lists, unprotected lists. Look for maybe them picking a free agent from that group to try to sign, um, you know, in a in a, an exclusive deal, and uh, they give themselves a little bit more negotiating window. Um, so I think the Islanders like Alexiak. You know, I think with Nick Letty gone, um, that second pair left defense side, they they do have a need. Um, you know, and not a ton of money. You know, we talk, we're trying to calculate the money. It's hard to talk about on the podcast. It's much easier to write and see on a, in a chart. But if they're sitting here with 18 million right now, and let's say they were to get rid of Leo Komarov, you got 21 million in space. And let's round it up to 22, 23 when you think about maybe waving Richard Ponick, who came over in the Letty deal as an extra contract to kind of balance Letty's cap hit from Detroit. Or Ross Johnson goes on waivers. Um, so you could be looking at $24 million here. Okay. Sounds like a ton of money. You've got Anthony Beauvillier. You've got Adam Pellick. You've got Ilya Sorokin. Conservatively, if you can get those guys all in for $12 million total on, on your cap hits, I think you're doing great. Pellick is certainly at least $5 million. Um, Beauvillier is, to me, at least 4 or in that range. And if you can get Sorokin for just under 3 I think that's probably a good deal, something short. Um, so that cuts it in half. You got 12 million left. Uh, Casey Sezikis, who, you know, the Islanders went to maybe surprise some people, surprise me a little bit by protecting both Cal Clutterbuck and Matt Martin over Eberly and Bailey. I think the, the Clutterbuck protection was, uh, was kind of a shrewd move by Lou just because one year left. If you look at the way that Seattle might be trying to approach things one year left, reasonable cap at 3.5. Player is, is a heart and soul player who's a good be a good guy to have on an expansion team on a team that's just coming together as a new group. Um, so I think cl- protecting Clutterbuck was probably a smart move. I don't know that they needed to protect Matt Martin with uh, three years left on his deal, but you know I think the message was sent that the Islanders want Casey Zizekas back. Um, so they protected his line mates, who both happen to have the same agent, uh, Pat Morris from Newport. Um, so we don't know if there's a, a handshake deal in place with Sezikis or if negotiations are progressing along, um, but it's going to be interesting with Sezikis. And if he gets in uh, around $3 million per, whatever length the deal is, that's probably a decent deal, especially considering Barkley Goodrow was out there getting 6 times 3.6. He's a couple years younger, but they're very similar players. And I think Pat Morris knows and Casey Sezikis knows how important Casey Sezikis is to the Islanders, and I think the Islanders certainly know that too. So. So there's another three million. Now you're down to nine million in space, and maybe you're missing uh, a top nine forward now with with Leo Komarov going. Okay, Zach Parise is out there. He's been bought out. The connections between him and Lou Lamarillo run very deep, and the connections between Zach Parise and the Islanders, thanks to his dad JP, run very deep. Uh, if he's definitely coming here, I think you're going to see. Um, you know, an over 35 deal where he maybe gets 2 million total, but only about a million or even less comes counts against the cap. The rest are bonuses, kind of the way Andy Green's contract was structured last year and a bit this year. So, um, boom, you've got him. Now you're down to uh, about 8 million. Um, what do they have left? They need, maybe they can bring Kyle Palmieri back. They may not have a lot of roster space for a guy like that, but uh, but certainly he added something, and, and so there's a chance to bring him back. Or you take a big swing on defense uh, for that second deep pair spot. Ryan Suter, who was also bought out with Zach Parise, is out there. Um, 
you know, he could get upwards of four million per for for several years, even though he was just bought out and still has a big pile of money coming to him. And he's thirty six. Is that the kind of commitment you want to make? Alexiak's a lot younger. Alec Martinez is a few years younger. He's got a he's got a Stanley Cup in his past. Uh, there's some good left handed options, I think, for that second pair. So, um, but you might have to go to four million or so. So you know, the the space goes away quickly. Um, but I do think they like Alexiak among some other guys. And then of course. I certainly was asked. I can't. Uh, I can't find a, a specific question. I think uh, Sacco is asking, like on a, on a scale of zero to Panarin, how likely is it the Islanders take a big swing at Landeskog? Uh, the follow-up is that only to have him sign with the Rangers or the Pens or Toronto. He's not going to the Rangers, the Penguins, or Toronto. I don't think uh, none of those teams have the space or the willingness to commit that kind of years, uh, that kind of term, and that kind of salary to, to Landeskog. If he gets the open market, yeah, I, I think. If the Islanders lose an Eberle or a Bailey, either through the expansion draft or in a trade after that, they not only have the cash to to offer Gabriel Landeskog, they have the space. They have a spot, top line wing, second line wing. Um, it would be interesting, you know. That he's certainly a guy who fits the bill of what Barry Trotz wants in a player. Of course, they have a lot of those kind of players. They may not have someone who's as elite as Gabriel Landeskog is, but. Uh, but he would certainly bolster their lineup quite a bit. I don't know that you could count on him for 50 or 60 points like he gets playing on a line with two of the most skilled players in the league and Nathan McKinnon and Miko Rontanen, but um, he'd be a help for sure. Um, whether you want to commit eight and a half, nine million dollars per year to him, that's another story, uh, especially when you've got some long-term commitments still on the books from some of your top six guys who are also getting a little bit older. Um, so it's interesting. Uh, you know, I think a lot has to happen before they make a big offer to Landis Cog, but um, I, I think if there's space, I don't think there's a player that Lou's going to ignore that, that's at that level. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Here's another one from Beast LM. says, will the owners ever look at a guy like Keith Yandel to be a Nick Lettig replacement? Um, he would certainly make their power play a lot better. Uh <laughs> But I don't know that Keith Yandel at his age now with his longevity is a guy who's going to suddenly turn into a Barry Trotz defensive zone type of guy. You know, I think we saw the progression with Nick Letty, who was already a seasoned veteran when Trotz came in and, and Trotz tried to turn Nick Letty into more of a more of a physical stand up guys in the in the corner, um, clear guys out of the front of the net. It's not Nick Letty's game. He struggled at it at times. He struggled at it. At, uh, at several time junctures this year. So, um, 
is Keith Yandel, can he be turned into that now in his early 30s? I'm not so sure. Uh, I don't know that that's, that's a Barry Trotz, Islander identity type defenseman, especially in a spot where you need to play 18 or 19 minutes. But this is great. There's lots of questions like this. Um, our friend JP in VA says, have you heard anything about the Islanders having a potential target in this draft? Oof. Uh, I don't even know if they're still going to have that second round pick that they got from Detroit, which is 52nd overall. Um, by the time we get to the draft, I, you know, I, I know Lou Lamarillo values having assets because he needs stuff to be able to trade. And he's certainly been willing to do that. Give up a second rounder this year, a second rounder next year, and a third rounder most likely in 2023 to shed Andrew Ladd's contract. Um, but, uh, and I think the, really the, the most notable thing about the Islanders drafts since Lou Lamarillo came in is that they haven't had a lot of picks, um, you know, traded his first round pick for a second year in a row. It feels like he wants to keep his 2022 first, but mostly because if they're close again at the deadline this coming season, it's another asset to be able to move to, to, to improve your roster. Um, the Islanders don't have a ton of prospects, but I think they have a win now mentality. They have a win now roster. Um, even though they've fallen short a couple of times in the last two years. So I don't think they feel like there's, they need to be very futures heavy. Um, that, that will disappoint a lot of people. But I think with Oliver Wallstrom hopefully growing into a bigger role, and I think we haven't mentioned him before, but you got to be careful too, adding in too many wingers to block his path to being a, a 16, 17 minute a night guy. Um, you know, he still has to prove himself. It's really only his sec going to be a second NHL season coming up, and he didn't start last season in the lineup. Um, and I think the same for Noah Dobson. You don't necessarily want to get a guy who's going to block his path to being the top power play unit quarterback and being a guy who plays a little bit more. Um, you know, I think both those guys, if those are your only two real recent prospects, you're only two guys that are under 23, 24 now, um, you have to be able to, to develop them in the way to do that. <clears throat> is to let them play. And, um, you know, I think at the end of the playoffs, Dobson was growing in confidence, but he had some struggle moments in the postseason. And Wallstrom couldn't find his way back into the lineup over Travis Zajac, which is a hotly debated topic uh, online, offline, everywhere. So um, I think you'd hate to see the Islanders, even with all of this wheeling and dealing that's really exciting to watch, suddenly get too many veterans to start a season where you're where you're blocking the path of the development path of of two guys that are going to be really important. Um, here's one, Kevin Andrew. Chances of a trade for Vladimir Tarasenko. Um, you know, I'm sure it's been discussed. I think now that we're in the you know in the interim here, or getting ready for the expansion draft, it's hard for me to see. Uh, Seattle taking anybody but Vince Dunn off of that unprotected list from St. Louis. And to me, that kind of reduces the chance of a Tarasenko trade just because um, unless it's kind of a straight swap of Tarasenko for Eberle, uh, and certainly Seattle could facilitate that by selecting Tarasenko and then flipping him to the Islanders. But but like I said, you know, if you're looking at the, from Seattle's perspective, they want good young players who are not some may be cost-controlled, nobody signed for too long. Vince Dunn fits the bill. That's a guy who could grow into being their Shea Theodore if he finds his game. Um, so I don't see them passing him up uh, for a chance to recoup some assets or whatever. <clears throat> but um, 
you know, the Tarasenko situation, you know, I don't know if St. Louis, if they want to get out from under Tarasenko, especially if they want to get to the front of the line for Landeskog, which has been rumored, um, would they do a swap of him for Everly where they reduce their cap hit by a couple million, but add a third year where Tarasenko's done in two years? Not so sure they would do that unless there's some other other pieces moving in that deal. But um, so, you know, I don't know that that the Islanders have what St. Louis is looking for necessarily in a deal certainly could change. And Lou has pulled some rabbits out of his hat already in the last, you know, three, four days where we didn't know where he was going to go. Um, so, uh, you know, I, and I think you have to be obviously very wary of, of Tarasenko's injury, injury history. Um, he's coming in maybe for the better with a bit of a chip on his shoulder because he's upset with St. Louis where he's been his whole career. Um, so maybe that drives him. And certainly of the guys that are available, Mike Hoffman is, a, is an unrestricted free agent as well coming up. You do want a guy, if you're going to make those kind of changes, you want a guy who's going to put the puck in the net on Matthew Barzell's wing. And Tarasenko's healthy. He could potentially do that. And uh, so that's a, that's probably pretty enticing. I just wonder about if you can't get the cost right uh, in a deal, if you can't unload Everly, let's say, or Bailey, probably Everly. Um, is it worth doing? Not so sure. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Glenn Pacitti, uh, who always asks good questions, says, why wouldn't Pellet get an $8 million per year similar contract to Miro Heiskanen? Many projections figure five to six, which seems far-fetched. Well, um, you know, I think uh, some people, when Brandon Carlo signed with the Bruins, tried to com- he got uh, six years and 4.1. Some people try to compare Pellet and Carlo. To me, that's kind of an unfair comparison to, to Adam Pellick because Carlos is a, a very good player, but a solid second pair guy. He's not taking those heavy matchups. He plays behind Charlie McAvoy, who does take most of the heavy matchups. Um, so 4.1 is a, is a good deal for Brandon Carlo. It's not a good deal for Adam Pellick, I don't think, especially at six years. Mira Heiskanen comes in at eight times 8.45. And people Now I get this, like, why wouldn't Pellick get that kind of deal? Well, Mira Heiskanen is a guy who... Scores 30 to 35 points a year, plays, you know, a couple minutes more a night, um, similar style of team in Dallas. So I think if, if you're Adam Pellick's agent, you're saying, yeah, why don't we get eight times 8.45? I think if Adam Pellick's going eight years, I could see him getting closer to seven, um, you know, 6.57. But I think if it's something in the five to six year range, and he does have an injury history, so I don't know if you want to go the full eight years, but if they're committing Six years, say, I could see it being 5.5, 5.75, something like that. Maybe you'll, you go a, a year shorter, you cut a, you cut a, you know, a half a million or so off of that. It's going to be over five. I think the way that this guy has played the last couple of years, um, you know, he's not a surprise to anybody. Or kind of the way that the Islanders are not a surprise to anybody anymore. Um, you know, he played a whole regular season of shutdown defense against other teams first lines and he and ryan pollock were among the best pairs in the league in terms of uh, whatever metric expected goals for high danger chances for and against 
they were exceptional. And uh, Ryan Pollock's already, you know, making five million per, and will that'll go up when his contract goes, is up next season. Um, so Adam Pollock, I think, is going to be is going to be in that range, and maybe he goes a little shorter since he's still restricted. You buy back a fewer years of unrestricted free agency, <clears throat> or he goes for the security, and he knows that maybe this is the place that he can be the best player he can be because there is such a focus on defense and, and transition from defense to offense. And um, so, yeah, it's, you know, this is an essential guy. I don't think he's going anywhere. Um, You know, he certainly discussed it on the site and been in discussions elsewhere that Anthony Beauvillier of those restricted free agents is a guy that you could maybe see uh, being dealt somehow if there was a lot of wheeling and dealing going on. But, Lou Lamarillo said he wants to keep all three restricted free agents. I believe him. And, uh, and I think Adam Pellick is at the head of that line. Transitioning a little bit to some of the roster that we'll see next season, even though we can't really project right now. Uh, Pete Williams says, do you see Andy Green playing significant minutes next year? I see him playing some minutes. Um, you know, I don't think they would have made the decision to keep him, uh, it was a year and, and seven fifty plus two hundred fifty thousand in, in what I assume will be very attainable games played bonuses for a million dollars total. Um, I don't think they'd sign him if they didn't think he was a useful piece. You know, there's <clears throat> there's going to be some veteran lefty defensemen out there that are intriguing to me. Mark Stahl is a guy I've mentioned a lot in print. Um, had a pretty decent year in Detroit. Uh, would I assume would assume to be a cheap cheaper ad, you know, under 2 million, a decent third pair guy who could also bump up and play a second pair who kills penalties. He's a big guy. He, you know, he, he understands the way that you have to play in the Metro division. Um, but I think the green situation means that that's probably out of, you know, out off the table, probably the same as Zdeno Chara. If Chara decides to play another year, as fun as it would be to see him, you know, kind of come full circle and come back to the place that he probably should have never left a couple decades ago on the Island. Um, he's probably pretty surely a, a six, seven guy right now. So, um, you know, I, I don't know that, that you can have him and, and you can have a 45 year old guy and a 39 year old guy on your roster on defense and, uh, and hope to get through a whole season, uh, in one piece. But, um, you know, I think, I think green is probably penciled in again as the third pair left side guy alongside Noah Dobson to start, uh, it, they probably need another veteran, you know, whether they are able to, to unload Thomas Hickey's contract or not. You're really only looking at Sebastian Ajo, who's now on a one-way deal for the league minimum. So you have to waive him if he's going to go back down. Uh, you've got Samuel Bolduc and Robin Sallow, who have a combined 24 pro games between them in North America. So I don't know that either one of those guys is going to stick around as your as your 7-8 guy. So they probably do need another veteran uh, on a cheap, expendable deal. Um, I think we'll see some tryouts, I would imagine, coming into this training camp with some, again, with the flat cap, believe believe some guys that are in that kind of uh, vague, not quite good enough to be NHL regulars, but not bad enough to be AHL guys. Uh, a lot of those guys will be unsigned as we get towards camp. So I think they'll add one of those type of guys. But I imagine Andy Green is your guy in the third pair uh, until further notice. I don't really see a situation where they... Um, where they changed that just because they brought him back and he was very capable this past season. Um, my good friend, Travis Riley, who has been a guest on this show, uh, is asking as usual about Josh Hosang. Um, 
Josh is going to be an unrestricted free agent in a week. He's a what you call a group six free agent where he didn't play enough NHL games by age 25 to stay a restricted free agent. Um, the ups and downs with him have been numerous, as we know. Uh, lots chronicled on this podcast and on The Athletic. Um, you know, he went to Sweden for a little bit last season, bounced between a couple of teams there. Uh, and he really hasn't played a lot of hockey in the last two years. Not a lot of people have that are outside the NHL, which is unfortunate. But um, but yeah, I, I don't see the Islanders retaining him now. Um, I don't know if any NHL team is going to have an interest in keeping him. If he really wants to stay in North America, I could see him getting an AHL deal somewhere to, to go to camp. Um, but again, like I said, there's going to be a lot of veteran guys that have no contracts as we get close to camp. I don't know if he's near the front of that line. So if he ends up back in Europe, then all the best to him, and uh, hopefully he can turn it around and, and be one of those guys who goes and, and produces and is able to come back. He's still a young guy. But uh, but I think the Islanders and Josh Hosang are, are parting ways, and uh, you know I, I've enjoyed all the questions. I certainly enjoyed talking to Josh when I had the chance. Uh, he's an interesting young man, and I hope, uh, hope he figures it out. It'll be fun to see him in the NHL. Um, I think the last one I'll take. Thanks, everyone, for all the questions. Uh, Matt S., what is the move or moves that will get the Islanders over the hump and into the finals next season? You know, I think the way that Lou Lamarillo and Barry Trotz see it, and not a lot of other people see it that way, I certainly didn't last offseason, he made a lot of moves, including the Devon Taves trade, which was not one that the Islanders wanted to make, but they felt compelled. They needed to get some assets back, and I think you see now that those – one of those two picks that they got from Colorado uh, went in the Andrew Ladd deal, which was an essential move to open up cap space. So you do need to have some assets where you where you be able to bring some in so you can move them back out. Um, the goal last offseason mostly was to keep what they had. Um, they were able to do that with some trimming that, like I said, unwanted. And I think the goal is essentially the same this year, that they felt like the core that they have on this team is good enough to be a Stanley Cup champion. And they were one game and one goal away, two goals away, I guess, technically, from doing that, uh, from at least getting to the finals. So I don't know that they feel like they have to change a ton. Uh, it's going to be a longer grind. They're not going to get through a season playing only eight defensemen like they did last year. And apparently amazing that the only costly D situation on D was Noah Dobson's eight-game absence due to COVID. They had no injuries. Um, that won't happen again. I can guarantee it. And, uh, you know, you're gonna, they're going to need, a th I think the real essential piece for them is a little bit more depth. And I don't know if Zach Parise brings that, which bumps some other guys down a little bit. I don't know how they structure it now with Nick Letty out to replace his minutes and also get a little bit deeper on D because their backups are a little bit too far away from being NHL ready. Um, you know, they have two goalies and I thought that was pretty essential to keep Varlamov and Sorokin and have them play, you know, whether it's 45-37 or 50-32, it's going to be pretty balanced in terms of starts because they want both guys to be fresh when they get to the end. <clears throat> so I think for them, it's really maintaining as much as they can while some of the chaos swirls around them. Um, you know, I don't think that Barry Trotz and Lou Lamarillo are big believers in, in change for change's sake. There are going to be some changes. Obviously, Nick Letty gone after seven years in, in the organization. Andrew Ladd gone after a fairly disappointing five years in the organization, not many of them as a regular player, um, and possibly one other regular, whether it's 
Eberly or Bailey or Komarov or Hickey, uh, you know, the makeup of the locker room might change a little bit, but I think the core is going to stay the same. You're going to have a healthy Anders Lee at the start of the year. No contract situation with Matthew Barzell going into training camp, a full training camp. Um, so I think they feel pretty confident in what they've got and, and trying to keep as much of that together is, is really the goal. And, uh, you know, Lou has been a bit of a magician to unload some contracts. He's going to have to keep doing that to even just sort of maintain what he's got and maybe improve, uh, in, in a few spots, but, um, it'll be interesting. And I think kind of not necessarily status quo, um, but as close, as close to what they've got the last two years, uh, is really what they're aiming for and to continue doing what they've been doing. You know, um, it's, it's not the sexiest strategy necessarily, but it's worked, you know, as Barry Trott said on, on breakup day, there's only one team that would rather that, that any, you know, aside from us, there's only one team that everybody, the team wants to emulate and that's Tampa because they won twice in a row. So, and Tampa's already lost one essential guy. They're going to lose somebody in the expansion draft, possibly Yanni Gord, who was really, kind of one of the unsung killers in that, in that Islander series. Um, so, you know, even, even the champions have to retool and, and try to do better with, with a little bit different group. So if the Islanders can roll back with essentially the same core and, uh, and still that desire to, to get over the hump, then I think that's the best course of action. Well, I've certainly talked myself silly here for over half an hour. So uh, thanks, everybody, for listening and uh, patient with my questions. I don't think anything crazy has happened while we've been talking. But starting tomorrow night, the craziness will will begin, at least begin to leak out. And we'll see who's lost from the Islanders, whether there was a side deal, uh, and then what they've got in store for the following week. We're going to come back with another episode next week after some of the moves have happened and before some of the other moves, and we'll, we'll try to break it down again. So... Thanks, everybody, as always, for listening. This is No Sleep Till Belmont, your Islanders podcast from The Athletic. If you want to subscribe to The Athletic uh, and read all the Islanders articles that we put out, plus everything else around the league, you can subscribe at theathletic.com slash no sleep till Belmont. You can see the latest deals there. So thanks again. Enjoy the crazy week. Enjoy the crazy week.